Hope you all had a great Christmas. We had a good time here Wednesday night. I'm still a little bit um, frustrated that I didn't come up and be a sheep, but I'll have to deal with that. So as 2015 ends and 2016 is about to begin, I thought it'd be good for us to do a review on the value of the scriptures, the value of the scriptures. And so we're going to look at a passage that presents that as as well as any other passage in scripture. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 4. So we'll read that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 4. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Father, we need your spirit, the spirit of truth, to guide us into your truth, to give us tender hearts toward what you have to say to us about your word, so that we will really value and desire and, and hunger for your word and live by it. Would you grant us that this morning, Father? Grant me to make it clear, to, to free, guard me from error, help me to speak truth. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul knew his time was coming soon, that he was going to be put to death, he was going to die. So he's readying his, his friend Timothy to uh, take his place, to take on the ministry that he was carrying on. And in particular, Timothy was going to be shepherding the church at Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. The present concern that, um, that Paul had was that there were false teachers. There were those who were distorting the gospel and stirring up useless arguments. He said evil people and imposters who could have been in their midst will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. So he was trying to prepare Timothy for standing for the truth in the midst of that. In fact, Paul contrasts Timothy with false teachers and imposters, saying, but as for you, continue. As for you, continue. Continue in what you've learned. And uh, for your sake, that's the word for us this morning, is what you've learned in the Scripture, continue in. Don't wander off from it. Remain in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And he says, consider who you've learned it from. So Timothy in particular had, had been raised in a mixed home. Um, he had a father who was Greek, who was not a Christian, and he had a, a mother and a grandmother who were believers in Christ. And uh, their names were Lois and Eunice. We read that back in chapter 1. So his mother and his grandmother, 
He said, consider their godliness and their character. You know they weren't deceived about Christ. You know that their faith and their lives evidence the reality of Christ. And he also uh, had invested his life in Timothy. He said, you know how I've invested my life in you. You've followed my example. You've followed my teaching. You know the sacrifices that I've made uh, for the gospel, how I've suffered. And I, I'm living for the truth of Jesus as revealed in the scriptures. And I, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't true and if it wasn't worth it. So probably not all of us this morning have had mentors in the scriptures. Um, many of you have. If you haven't had someone, if you haven't been raised up in an environment in a church or in a family situation where you've been mentored in the scriptures, then, and if you're here at Harvest as your church family, then we're grateful to be have the opportunity to mentor you in the scriptures. That's a good time to start as any is now. But if you have had that in your background, uh, thank God. That's a great gift to, to family mentors in the scriptures or, or a church family where you've been raised up in the scriptures. It's a lifelong encouragement to hold fast to the word of God or to return to it if you stray. Remember your Sunday school teachers. Think of your youth group leaders. Um, your, your pastors, your Bible study leaders. I think of those who have influenced me, who God has placed in my life over the years, who've been, who've called me to faithfulness in the scriptures and been a great examples of that. Such an encouragement to have those people in your life. And you've got to have them. You can't do it on your own. And then he says in verse 15, and from childhood you've, you've been taught from the sacred writings. He's referring to the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. From childhood you've, you've been taught these things. And uh, they prepared you with wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. You've seen how faithfully the scriptures have pointed to pointed you to faith in Jesus Christ in that the, he has fulfilled what the Old Testament taught and what it anticipated. And that they alone are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You can't find salvation in any other way, he says. Star Wars creator George Lucas said, I remember when I was 10 years old, I asked my mother, if there's only one God, why are there so many religions? Good question. He concluded, he said, I've been pondering that. And he, he concluded that, um, I've, that all religions are, are true. Evidently, Mr. Lucas hadn't learned from the Holy Scriptures, the sacred writings, the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ. Because it's not wise to conclude that all religions are true because they all contradict one another. They're different. They teach different things. So they cannot all be true because they teach radically different truths. Now, by itself, that doesn't mean the Bible does. It just means it's unwise to say that all religions are true because they all contradict. But the reason you can trust that the Scriptures reveal God's truth especially the, the way of salvation through faith in, in Christ Jesus, is because of what Paul says in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That doesn't mean that the Scriptures just miraculously appeared or, or dropped down from heaven. It doesn't mean that God dictated the, the Scriptures to the biblical authors. It means that by His breath... By his spirit, 
he so influenced the people who wrote the scriptures that what they wrote was God's truth without any error. Even though they, they wrote in their, their own historical and cultural settings, even though they wrote according to their own personalities and perspectives, God ensured that they wrote his word. Because the scriptures are the result of God's revealing work to, to people, his very breathed out word, there can be no higher authority. There's nothing that trumps the scriptures. Not the Supreme Court. Not the president. Not opinion polls. Not social media. Not the news media. Not PhDs. Not scientific theories. Not Oprah. Not your friends. Scripture is the final word on everything it addresses. It gives the final word on everything. Every book in the Bible, every chapter, every sentence, every word is there because God wanted it there. Every truth the Bible affirms should be taken as God's truth. And therefore, we should, we should submit our lives to what it teaches. Because it's God's revealed truth. Rejecting the truth from the Scripture, any truth from the Scripture, is rejecting God. The Bible can no more fail or be an error than God can. The Bible can no more fail or be an error than God can. Now, interpretations, our interpretations of Scripture are not infallible. But God's Word is infallible. So we desperately seek God's grace to be accurate in how we interpret the Bible because it doesn't mean what I say it means if it doesn't mean what God's meant it to mean. Does that make sense? That's good. I'm glad to be making some sense. It's encouraging. God's Word is infallible. Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. The Scripture cannot be broken. People criticize the Bible, saying that it was just a book written by men. Well, it's true it was written by men, but not just by men. God enabled them to write exactly what he wanted revealed to us. Scripture was not the result of mere human contemplation or religious searching. It wasn't a result of man's efforts to find God. Peter said of the Old Testament prophets in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, you know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men or man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God carried men along by the Holy Spirit, leading them to write his truth. Using their unique situations, using their, their brains, that they weren't robots. They, they, they really wrote from their motivation, but God superintended by the Holy Spirit. Jesus prepared for his apostles to, to write and speak with divine authority by telling them that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit's going to teach you everything that you need. 
And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God breathed out his word to reveal himself and his truth to us. We believe God is able to communicate. He's able to tell us what he wants us to know. He's a great communicator. Because the scriptures have been breathed out by God, they are profitable. They're useful. They're, they're beneficial. For what? Well, Paul says for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So they're useful. They're profitable for teaching. For teaching about God, about people, God's promises and covenants, sin, God's unfolding plan of salvation, about Jesus Christ, about godliness, about final judgment, about God's kingdom, the coming of the new heaven and earth, and more. It's not a book about, about history, though what it reports takes place in real history. It's not a science textbook, though what it talks about in terms of the physical world is scientifically accurate. It doesn't try to answer every question about every subject, though it provides wisdom and moral perspective for every area of life. It's also profitable for reproof. We love this part. It's, the Bible tells us when we are doing something wrong. Have you done anything wrong this week? Just Samuel? Come on. Great. The Bible tells us when we're doing something wrong. It is wrong for us to have other gods than the true God. It is wrong for us to dishonor our parents, to lie, to steal. You knew these things. If you didn't, cut it out. It's wrong to commit adultery or sexual immorality, to murder, to covet with what other people have. Some people don't read the Bible because they don't want to be told what they're doing is wrong. But Proverbs 6.23 says, Reproofs of discipline are the way of life. As John Bunyan wrote, uh, he's the author of Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote in the cover of his Bible, This book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. This word also applies, reproof also applies to reproving or rebuking for false teaching. It was a major concern in this letter to Timothy. Sometimes the false teaching was, was blatant, denying and distorting truth that God had plainly revealed. Other times it's what Paul calls quarrels about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. An irreverent, irreverent babble. Irreverent babble. It's a great term. It leads to more and more ungodliness. When people argue over truths that are not the clear teachings of Scripture, not the main things, which are the plain things, the main things in Scripture are the plain things. The plain things are the main things. When they argue over issues that are not essential to the gospel, they fall under Paul's rebuke of quarrels about words. When people seem more eager to defend or promote what they read in books or hear from teachers that they follow or blogs or, or conferences than they are to focus on Jesus, Jesus and the gospel, they need correction. They need 
reproof. So back about 25 or 30 years ago, uh, when I was new to the faith, I had some people come to me and say, hey, have you been to this seminar? It was a, it was a popular seminar at the time. Some of you have probably been to one of these. And, and I said, well, no, I haven't been to it. You haven't? Really? I mean, and, and the implication was I couldn't really be a Christian unless I'd gone to this special seminar. I thought, well, I have the Bible. Oh, but the seminars, you really don't get it till you go to the seminar. The Bible is good for correction. It doesn't just reprove wrongdoing, it corrects. It doesn't just say, don't do that, without also saying, instead, do this. Don't steal, but work. Don't speak with corrupt speech, but use words that build up, that edify. Don't have bitterness and hatred. Instead, be kind and tender-hearted. Don't throw your paper in the trash. Instead, be recycle. Well, it didn't. Okay, stewardship of the earth. Maybe that's where you find that. Again, Paul is talking about correcting false teaching as well. Don't deviate from the gospel. Keep the gospel central. The, the gospel of Christ coming into the world as a man, son of God, to die for sins and be raised again to save us by faith. That's the centerpiece of all scripture. So everything that supports that is good. Anything that distracts from that and, and dumbs that down or deviates from that is avoid that. Uh, when, when missionaries come to your door, if you engage with them, keep the main thing the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't buy into a different gospel. Don't redefine marriage. Hold to the biblical view. Don't set dates for Christ's return. Know that he's going to come in his own time. Don't teach what undermines godliness. Don't get all tangled up in useless debates and, and speculations. Rather, follow the pattern of sound, healthy words in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And he says the, the, the scriptures are useful not only for teaching, for proof, for correction, but for training in righteousness. The scriptures are profitable for training in righteous belief and righteous living. Because all scripture is breathed out by God, they are profitable for training you in all areas of your life to live righteously. The word training refers to a plan of discipline and instruction for developing desired behaviors. It particularly was used in, in Paul's day to talk about training children. The scriptures have... All you need to be trained in righteous living. If you're struggling to live for God in, in, in any area of your life, the scriptures have what you need to discipline you to overcome your area of failure and to grow in, in obedience in that area. So at our previous church, there was a guy who was a real loser, and his wife thought so too, so she's going to divorce him. And he began getting trained just meeting one-on-one -on -one with, a, with a, a man who was just steeped and saturated in the Scripture. And they just walked the Scriptures together. And his life began to get transformed. And he quit doing the, the raunchy things he was doing, and he began loving and serving his wife, patiently waiting on her. And she um, changed her mind, and they um, became very fruitful in ministry, and they began helping other couples with their marriages. So God trains us by the Scriptures to live righteously redeems us from 
unrighteous living. And he, God, Paul says he does this, the scriptures do this, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, profitable for teaching. This is verse 17. That the man of God, or the woman of God, or the child of God, so the mog, the cog, or the, the wog, may be complete, that means competent, proficient, or qualified, and equipped for every good work. Um, it's The combination of words means that he may be thoroughly, completely qualified and equipped for, for every good work. Of course, this doesn't mean that they equip you to be an auto mechanic or a software developer or an airline pilot or a violinist or an elevator repair person. But they absolutely are able to equip you to work on cars, to write software code, to fly a jet, to play a violin, to repair an elevator for God's glory and, and righteous character. You are saved by God to do good works in your family, in your neighborhoods, in your work environment, and wherever else God gives you influence. God has breathed out his word to save you from eternal death and give you eternal life. His word reveals Christ for you to trust and be saved. And for this life, until you die, you got your work cut out for you. Or until Christ returns, his word, the scriptures, are for equipping you to do good in every situation in your life. Are you so reading and studying the scriptures? and listening to the teaching of the scriptures so as to be transformed for doing good works? Do you use the Bible for that? Is the Bible using you for that? Is it energizing you for that? Do your daily and weekly habits include regular intake of the scriptures? It's dangerous to go a day without the word of God. Being here on Sundays is a good thing. But you and I need more than once a week consuming of and training by, by the Holy Scriptures. On the other hand, many of us are probably educated beyond the level of our obedience. That is, we, we know a lot of stuff and we're lagging in, in the doing of it. That doesn't mean we stop studying the Scriptures. It does mean we, we need to prayerfully ponder areas where we may have allowed our hearts to grow numb to the reproving, correcting, and training power of the Scriptures. So out on the mission field, uh, there was developed a, a method of Bible study called Discovery Bible Studies. And it's, it's not rocket science. It's very simple. They just say, hey, what does this text mean? How are you going to obey it this week? And so they've, they've planted churches. Um, in places like China and India, and they have these very simple Bible studies, and they say, okay, how are you going to obey that this week? So they stop. They come back next week. How did you obey it? Did you obey it? So it's real-time obedience. So that's a pretty good method of Bible study. How are you going to obey this this week? How are you going to do this? And Paul then says in, in chapter 4, verse 1, He's charging Timothy here in a very solemn and serious way. 
He says, I charge you in the presence of God. So in God's very presence, in the presence of Christ, who will judge all and who will return to establish his kingdom. Here, Timothy, is your great priority in light of the presence of God's presence in Christ's return. What should Timothy's primary focus be in light of these awesome truths? So because of who God is, because of what Christ is going to do, what should, what should Timothy be doing? He says, preach the word. In verse 2, because the scriptures are breathed out by God, preaching the word is absolutely central to the life of the church. It's not something that's optional based on cultural trends or people's tastes or the latest communication styles and, and theories. He says, be ready to do it, meaning persist in it, continue to preach, regardless of your circumstances. Persist in it whether people are eager to hear you or resistant, whether it's popular or not. Paul says, put the word to work by reproving. So he, here he goes again, pointing out error, rebuking for not pleasing God, exhorting to encourage in faith and obedience, to comfort and hope, with great patience because we are all slow learners. Oh, man, are we? Am I a slow learner? And teaching because we must continually be learning God's word. We never arrive at fully knowing the scriptures. So don't ever feel like, been there, done that. Hey, I've already read that. I don't need to, to see this again. We need to be in the scriptures and, and go over the same things again and again and again. And he says the reason you need to be uh, focus on this priority is because for the time is coming people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions we can't cater to people's desires so if you want me to preach about chocolate I can't do that well I can but it's it's probably not what most of you need to be encouraged in People will find teachers that fit their own desires, their own passions. We claim we have intellectual reasons for rejecting God's word. So we say, hey, I can't believe God's word because uh, we live in the scientific age. We've made all this progress. Um, it's like believing in Santa Claus. Maybe Santa visited your home and so you're a believer. So that's for you to determine. But the truth is people reject the Bible because God and his truth conflict with their passions, with their desires. And he says, and they will turn away from listening to the truth. So God's word is the scriptures. The scriptures are the truth. Jesus, in praying to the Father, said, your word is truth. So we live in a world that says there is no truth or Contradictory things can be true. The scriptures say, this is God's word, it's truth. And if you, if they turn away from listening to the truth, they're going to wander off into myths, he says. This is in verse 4. People can't live without a sense of greater meaning. So if they, if they reject the scriptures, they can't live without a sense of greater meaning to life and higher purpose, greater reality. So in turning away from listening to the truth, they turn aside to myths. 
they come up with myths like the lost tribes of Israel became the American Indians and Jesus came to America. They come up with myths like time plus chance plus random processes results in highly ordered universe and life. They come up with myths, well, like they're really devoted to Star Wars. Now, I'm going to step on your toes. The, the Jedi system of belief and practice has captured the imagination of religious followers. For $8.99, you can become an ordained Jedi Knight. Anybody signed up? You can get a Jedi marriage license or just officiate a wedding as a Jedi. The Temple of the Jedi Order claims to be a tax-exempt 501c3 nonprofit organization. Please, if you're going to give, give to us first. There's a Wikipedia page for the Jedi census phenomenon. In 2001, New Zealand had the highest Jedi per capita. And the threat was still apparently serious enough this summer to prompt Turkey's top religious body to warn of the spreading of the religion. Those who don't identify as Jedi Knights or Sith Lords still put on Star Wars-themed weddings and proposals and, of course, conventions. Now, it may be that many people claim Jedi religion as a joke or for the fun of it, but George Lucas said to Time Magazine in a 1999 interview, George Lucas, the founder, originator of Star Wars, I see Star Wars as taking all the issues that religion represents and trying to distill them down to a more modern and easily accessible construct. There's a greater mystery out there. So people can't live without some kind of greater reality. Now, enjoy the movies for their entertainment value. But don't be more devoted to Star Wars than to the scriptures. If you've been sleeping through this message, get that, write that down, put it in your phone. Don't be more devoted to Star Wars than to the scriptures. Don't wander from God's revealed, breathed out truth. Let's not waver in our delight and our desire for the scriptures. God has spoken, and through his revelation, he continues to speak. Ultimately, ultimately, we can believe the Bible because we believe in the power and wisdom and goodness and truthfulness of the God whose authority and truthfulness cannot be separated from the Bible. Ultimately, we believe in the Bible because we believe in the power and wisdom and goodness and truthfulness of the God whose authority and truthfulness cannot be separated from the Bible. God's authority and truthfulness are wrapped up in the scriptures. That's all we, all we have access to God's authority and truthfulness is through the scriptures. We trust the Bible because it is God's Bible. And God being God, we have every reason to value his word more than money, more than fantasy football, more than after Christmas sales, more than anything else we can desire. So continue. Continue reading the scripture. 
continue studying it, meditating on it, chewing on it, disrupting your plans with it, enhancing your plans with it. Keep listening to the teaching and preaching of the scriptures. Engage with others in studying the scriptures. Just grab somebody and say, read the Bible with me and force them to do it. It'd be good for them. Or offer to buy them lunch, coffee. Oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all the day, Psalm, Psalmist says in Psalm 119. Read and pray through Psalm 119 and ask for God to give you a heart that's reflected in that psalm. It's, it's like 190 verses of, about the word of God. He says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. He says, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. He even says this, and this guy's weird. He says, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Have you been panting that way for God's word this week? Let's pray that God puts that panting in our hearts. Father, we want to long for your word more than anything else. We need your word because we need your truth. We need you. And you've revealed us to us yourself through your word. In fact, your son, whose birthday we celebrated this week, in his pre-existent time of, before he came as a man, he was called the Word of God. You've personalized your Word. You've given us Jesus, who is your truth and your Word to us. You've given us precious words, living words, words for us to live by, to, 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 to transform us by. Father, grant us a desperate heart for your Word, a delightful heart in your Word. Help us, Father, to, to be soft toward your Word, to, to be correctable by your word, to be teachable by your word. May we love it and may we live it. We ask this in Christ's name.